Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Win Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMA LOT. And I was supposed to bring in my guy, Clint, a little bit, you know, a couple minutes into the podcast, but fuck it. I butchered it. I wanted to do the Deadlock Podcast <laughs> intro as well to remind you folks that used to watch the Deadlock Podcast on my channel. Uh, it's actually on its own permanent channel now. So another reason I got my guy Clint on here is to reinforce the Deadlock podcast. We did episode six yesterday and episode seven, eight, nine, ten is all going to be on the Deadlock podcast channel. Link is in the description below. So make sure you guys go there, click that link, hit the subscribe over there so you guys can follow us over there as well too because I keep getting people hitting me up saying, I love when you and Clint do work together. Well, me and him have a goddamn show together at least twice a month. And, you know, special news coming soon might be doing it weekly uh, for a couple of things. But if you guys want more of us together, that's how you guys get it. And I thought that intro would fire up some people to go out there and uh, subscribe to the Deadlock Podcast channel as well. Clint, feels like forever since we've talked, right? How are you doing, brother? I feel like we were just here. We were we were just <laughs> on a show together yesterday. So, like, it all feels very, very uh, normal and natural at this point, Lock. And you surprised the hell out of me with the Deadlock intro. <laughs> I'm used to hearing that kick-ass music, you know, every other week. And I'm just sitting here. I'm backstage. I'm waiting to get cued in. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can't help it. I get pumped up every time that thing plays. So I'm ready Dude, to go. <laughs> I love like it just feels like an extra incentive for people to go out there and subscribe to that channel because that goddamn intro is just I see you. Like I said, if anybody's ever been on StreamYard before, you can see like the thumbnail of the person that's sitting backstage and you can see them kind of like bopping their head and shit. That's what me and Clint are doing when that every intro time. is ever playing <laughs> every time we do our show. And obviously when we just did this one now, but we are here to break down UFC London one last time for you guys. The weigh-ins were nice and early this morning, 5 a.m. Eastern time. Obviously because they're over there across the pond in London. They had the ceremonial weigh-ins about two hours ago as well. Crowd seemed very much into it obviously a ton of hometown talent for them to cheer for uh clint just right off the bat before we get into breaking down this card what's your excitement level for this card Are, like is there a sp specific matchup that stands out to you from a fan's perspective uh let me know what, what are your thoughts about the card overall Honestly, man, I, you know, I'm an MMA, we call it the diehard MMA podcast for a reason. I am a diehard. So I wake up in the morning, eight out of 10 excited for fights. Um, so I got to give it a nine out of 10, just because this one is one pump up from just your normal standard, you know, fight card. I love this card. It's got everything. Like you've got some young up and coming talent. You've got some excellent matchmaking you've got some squash matches we're gonna see violence like this is gonna be a fun as hell card now i know it's meant to showcase some of the uk fighters and again they probably will be getting some finishes because that's kind of the point of the matchmaking but who doesn't love a knockout or a submission like it's gonna be a fun 
well, I was going to say fun night of fights, but it's going to be a fun morning of fights, and hopefully we can fill our pockets early and then blow it all on college basketball in the evening. <laughs> hey, I've already cashed a college basketball ticket this morning. Shout out to Ohio Me too. State. Me Ohio. To guy, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shout out to my guy, Capping Service, as well, who helped me out with that one as well. Just slid it into my DMs. He's like, hey, I know everybody's on Loyola or whatever the fuck their name is. Pick Ohio State, and you'll be the sharp one here. I'm like, all right, cool. And sharp it was so shout out to my guy capping service for that one as well but again we're here to talk about mma and i count four hype trains on this card how many of them will be derailed tomorrow morning good question well me and clint are about to find out as we start to break down this card for you so let's get right into it at the bottom of it uh first hype train first matchup of the night we got mohammed Mokayev going up against cody durden in terms of odds we got minus 380 on Mokayev, plus 290 the return on cody durden now uh Mokayev looked great on the skills cody durden looked great on the skills in my opinion they had a bit of a heated face face off as well uh really going at it you know cody durden really likes to bring out the worst in his opponents it seems but Mokayev, even if you've seen his regional uh, stare downs and all that stuff, the guy really likes to get into it with his opponents as well. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this fight play, plays out. Uh, seems like it's going to be a grappler's delight, right? When Mokayev goes out there and has success, gets takedowns, uses his BJJ very well. Uh, his striking is still improving. Uh, seems more so to have just a, a kicking game more than anything. His hands are still coming together, but uh, the bread and butter is easily his grappling. That's where I think that he'll be able to uh, get the most of his success. That's how he's gotten 23 amateur victories as well as five uh, professional victories as well. But on the flip side, you got a solid wrestler in Cody Durden who could probably hold his own if this fight hits the mat. But... I think that Mokayev has a slight advantage in the BJJ realm, and I think that's probably where we're going to see, uh, you know, the 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 difference here, where we're going to see Mokayev start to pull ahead of uh, Dirt and always being ahead of him, maybe one step ahead in terms of the scrambles and transitions, and then from there, I think he should be able to, you know, really grind out this fight over a tough Cody Durden. This is a tough matchup for Mokayev in his young career and his first ever fight inside the UFC. So, uh, in terms of odds, like I said, minus three D on the Mokayev side, but rather than taking that minus three eight. Uh, I'd kind of be surprised if he pulls off a finish here of Durden. I know Durden got flying armbarred by our guy Jimmy Flick a couple fights ago, but uh, I'd be surprised if we see a flying armbar from our guy Makayev. Uh, Makayev, by decision, is currently sitting at plus 240, but if you do think that this fight is going to play out very closely and still goes the decision, the over two and a half of fight, fight goes to decision is currently sitting at plus money. Plus 100 for the over two and a half, plus 140 for the fight goes to decision. I like those two spots here, but in terms of a prediction, I got to go with the hype train. I think Makayev picks up his first UFC win here uh, against Cody Durden. How do you see this one going down, Clint? Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you for the most part. I feel like Makayev is the goods. I do think that he is legitimate. I think that you know, amateur experience that he had. He's had a lot of fights, man. Very young age, a lot of fights. He's got that experience. And honestly, I'm not sold on Durden. I thought it was funny after, you know, his last fight, everybody was all aboard the Durden train. And I'm like, guys, he's just not that good. <laughs> I don't personally think much of Cody Durden. And I do think that uh, he is one of these guys that will fight with a chip on his shoulder and gas himself out trying to, you know, older brother, the young kid type of thing. And I think Makayev is super slick on the ground. I honestly think that the way he scrambles, the way he transitions, like he'll beat Durden in a grappling match. So if this thing gets ugly, if this thing gets dirty, I do expect Makayev to have success on the ground. So I kind of like the sub prop, if I'm being honest. I think Makayev can get on the back of Cody Durden, especially in round two, round three, when Durden starts to slow down. And I do think he'll get his first finish in the UFC on Saturday. I don't want to trust him at this price tag because 
he could maybe just not be as good as he looks on paper. And Durden maybe has a, you know, some holes that he fixes in the offseason, shows up here, looks better, big step up in competition. I don't like trusting guys at big chalk in those types of situations. So I'm not going to be laying good money on him or anything like that, but maybe sprinkling that sub prop, maybe sprinkling that round three. I think the finish is probably on the table, but I also don't think he walks through him in round one or anything. It would be a, a late finish. It would be a dirt and gassing out type of finish. So uh, honestly, just a fight that I'm looking forward to watching. I, I don't, I'm not going to have much investment on it. Well, one thing that I do want to point out, I do hear a lot of people talking about Durden fading late in fights. And I think if the you take it strictly from the Chris Gutierrez fight, you might be doing like a fool's errand essentially just because that was a short order spot for him up a weight class as well, right? He like, faded against Aori too. Yeah, he still picked up the win there in terms of like hanging in there. No, I don't know if Makayev... Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. The judges but... say he did. He did not. <laughs> but hey, who knows? Makayev maybe have a, a little bit of a gas tank issue himself, right? Like we Very saw true. in the Blaine Driscoll fight seem to be fading although he got up to submission there and then obviously the abdul hussein fight where it seemed like he was slowing down as well but gutted that one out so uh interested to see great test though great barometer for uh Mikhaev in his ufc debut and i, I can't wait to see how he fares here all right let's move on to the next fight we got a women's straw weight fight between elise reed and Corey mckenna in terms of odds we're currently looking at minus 265 on mckenna and plus 215 on elise reed clint i'll hand this one off to you to kick off my man how do you f feel this fight is going to go down Man, I actually just locked a bet in on this one. I'm pretty excited. I'm going oh, wow. uh, doesn't go the distance lock. Ooh. I think I'm going to turn, you know, that women's MMA decision machine strategy on top of its head here and take that nice juicy fat number and look for a finish. So what we've got is Corey McKenna, who could be legit the goods, but very much like Mohamed Makhmadov, she's just green, man. She's untested. She's unproven. She's only got six fights. She looked awful in her last fight, if I'm being honest. She spent the third round on her back and got one, like, hip toss reversal that won her, stole her the fight that she very easily could have lost. The big key, though, is who she's working with. You know, she's got Sarah McMahon. She's surrounded by some high-level, serious talent. She's gonna get better. She's going to improve. I really think she's got a super high ceiling. I like Corey McKenna for the future i don't know if i like her for saturday her striking defense is abysmal she's got nothing on the feet and what we've seen from elise reed is she actually has some pop in her punches she's got that taekwondo background she's got some decent boxing good hands i think that this is going to end up being kind of a striker versus grappler spot except reed can scramble She's got decent subs. She scrambles around on the mat. She's got a half-decent get-up game. So if Corey McKenna wants to go out and be Sarah McMahon and wrestle her and hold her down and just keep her on the mat, I think she's in for a long night. I don't think it's going to be that easy. And everyone is so down on Elise Reed because she got whooped on by Sajara Eubank, somebody two weight classes above her. Of course she's going to get whooped on short notice up two weight classes. Come on, bro. So I think Elise Reed is a live dog, if I'm being honest, Locke. This is a dog or pass spot for me. Corey McKenna's got to prove it to me before I'm going to lay that kind of chalk on her. We're making a lot of assumptions. You got to see it before you can lay minus 250, minus 300 on it, in my opinion. I haven't bet Elise Reed to this point. Like I said, I'm going violence because we got one of two situations. Either Elise Reed shows up, has the performance that she could have had her last time out at her more natural weight class, and honestly, I think she can TKO someone like Corey McKenna. Or Corey McKenna's the goods. She's legit. She takes her down. They get in a scramble. She chokes her out. So, like, honestly, I think the finish is absolutely on the table for both women here. Plus 200. Give me that juicy number. And uh, 
maybe sprinkling Elise Reed by TKO at 16 to 1. <laughs> just a taste. Just a taste. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's kind of what I've been preaching this whole week as well, man. I think that uh, Elise Reed has more of a, a, a chance than most people are giving her out. Uh, I was saying Elise Reed by KO. I think it was plus 1,100 earlier this week when I was looking at it. But if it's at plus 1,600, that's an auto sprinkle. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a damn good spot as well. Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said here, man. Uh, McKenna still needs to show us that she's the goods, right? That uh, that Kay Hansen fight was very close. Uh, Elise Reed seems to be working on you know her get-ups and uh, you see it a little bit in the Hillary Rose fight. I know McKenna's probably a better grappler than Hillary Rose, but hopefully we continue to see that progression, as we'll see from McKenna. But if McKenna needs to hold this fight uh, on the mat and just control uh, uh, Elise Reed to have success, you know, it, there's there's a little bit margin for error there in terms of if Elise Reed gets back to her feet, is it going to be easier or harder for McKenna to get her back to the mat? Because once she gets back to the feet, then I think it's almost one-way traffic i'm not mm -hmm. the most impressed with uh mckenna's striking i do think that she has a lot to work on there she shows decent boxing fundamentals but i don't think it's anything that's gonna give elise reed too much trouble or even have to worry about any crazy power coming back her way so i can see her just kind of picking her apart with her kicking from the outside as well maybe uh you know stray shots down the middle when she crashes the pocket but uh it all depends on if she can get back to her feet because i will say this i i i 100% believe McKenna will land at least one or two takedowns in this fight. Yeah. It's all on Elise Reed if she'll be able to get back to her feet. And if she can, then I think she has a really good chance of cashing your fight doesn't go to decision. And she has a damn good chance of cashing that plus 1100, plus 1600 uh, KO prop as well. So, yeah, you know I already had a sprinkle on that. I like hearing that lot because honestly, I haven't had time to listen to any of your shit this week. So I wasn't sure if we were going to line up on picks or not this time <laughs> around. So it always makes me feel good when I jump on and you're like, hey, me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always good, right? Like we're just uh, skipping down the park together. Just like at least we need my KO, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Jack Tankshore going up against Tim or Valiev. Uh, in terms of odds, we're currently looking at uh, minus 120 for Valiev, plus 100 the return on Jack Shore. Obviously, crazy line movement on this fight throughout five week. Jack Shore was closer to that plus 150 range early in the week. And now he's pretty much at a pick of odds here with Timur Valiev. Uh, in terms of the weigh-ins, I think Valiev was the one that looked the, the sketchiest out of anybody that touched the scales this morning, other than obviously Dan Hooker. But uh, in, in terms of uh, other fighters, Timur Valiev, last one on the scale, uh, you know, was stumbling onto the actual scale itself which looked a little weird to me uh but you know come ceremonial wanes the guy looked as weird and wacky as he always does with that weird face off that he had with jack shore but uh interesting matchup here right value of very good striker uh very flashy likes to throw a lot of spinning stuff uses kicks a lot jack shore on the other hand likes to get his work done on the mat wants to drag his opponents there uh is very big for this weight class as well and i think they will see that uh size discrepancy once they step inside the cage um uh, his boxing and his striking is still coming along a little bit. I don't think it's really at the level of what his grappling is because his grappling is mean and nasty. Once he gets his opponents to the ground, he does a really good job in terms of establishing position and either posturing up with ground and pound or looking for a submission of some sort. His finishes haven't really transpired as much over the last couple of fights, but Clint, we know this as levels of competition start to go up, it gets harder and harder to finish some of these guys. And I'd be surprised if he finished a guy like Valiev as well. Uh, of course, Valiev got knocked out in his UFC debut by Trevin Jones, which is obviously now a no contest, I think, because of that sticky icky that Trevin Jones was on. But uh, 
still, I, I'd be surprised. Your knockout power lock. <laughs> exactly. Tell you this. <laughs> exactly. I feel like there's been a handful of uh, marijuana uh, tests that have overturned fights because they knocked their opponent. I'm like, come on, guys, come on. Uh, but either way, uh, I, I do like Jack Shore here. I, I do agree with the line movement, but I just haven't gone in on Jack Shore. I, I, I taped the fight a little bit too late. I missed the majority of that line movement, but I still feel like he should go out there and do solid work here. I do think he'll be able to get a hold of Valiev, get him to the ground. He may not be able to hold him down as well he's been able to hold other people down but i still think he'll get enough control time enough damage from on top to eventually get a judge's decision in this spot so uh yeah give me some jack shore uh but at this pick em line i don't know uh, I, i'm a little bit skeptical about it how are you seeing this one yeah i'm kind of in the same boat as you luck this is a spot where this whole week i've been kind of ping-ponging on this fight back and forth back and forth um i, I kind of started the week thinking that maybe i'll wait and see um you know actually let me back up a little further than that when the fight got lined i went oh jack shore easy bet and then yeah. i you know i had to wait to do my research and the line kind of got chipped down some other people jumped on it as well and then i went you know maybe this is a buy low spot in timor valiev he's got some decent wrestling he's the better striker of the two people are down on him because of the whole honey barcelo situation doing their mma yeah. math so you know, I don't think maybe this is as easy of a spot for Shore as we think. And then as the week has gone on, I've kind of leaned more and more towards Shore. So I keep doing this thing. I can't decide what I want to do. Now it's practically a pick em. I don't think I'm going to move on this fight, Locke. I think I'm just going to wait and see what happens. You know, you mentioned how bad Timor Valley have looked on the scales. I think Jack Shore looked like Skeletor up there, man. He looked like he was holding his breath and doing everything he can to stay upright when he was standing on the scales this morning. So... I think he looks sketchy as hell on the scales today, too. So it, it, I think that kind of evens out as far as the weigh-in reads would go. Um, I just think we're we're kind of in for a fight here. If Jack Shore can get the grappling going, there's no reason he can't win this fight. We know he's a beast on the ground. If he can't get the grappling going, I think he's in for a long night, and Timor Valley is just going to box him up on the feet. But we've seen Timor get tired and slowed down. We've seen his chin get cracked before. One thing I mentioned I thought was maybe a sneaky little spot Jack Shore inside the distance. I know he's a uh, a grinder. I know he's more of a uh, long-term decision type of guy. But I almost feel like he's got a chip on his shoulder here and he's coming out to make a statement. And if Timor Valiev is going to give up the win, it's probably going to be due to the grappling. And if he gets tired and ends up under Jack Shore for you know more than a round or two, Maybe that TKO comes. Maybe that, you know, back take and rear naked choke comes. So, like, I can see a couple avenues to a finish. And I don't really like the pick em price tag here for either fighter. I, I just kind of want to watch and enjoy the fight. But you're getting a crazy number on Jack Shore to finish because he simply never finishes. So that well, that might be the spot I'm looking well, recently he hasn't been able to finish. On his way to the UFC, 12 out of 13 fights he's been able to finish with the exception of one of them to UFC veteran Von Lee. But yeah, his last two fights he has not been able to finish, and I don't mind that, man. Maybe him being back in London, you know, where he used to fight for Cage Warriors a lot, uh, maybe that sparks some sort of finishing intention in him. The only thing that's kind of keeping me off from it is I bet is inside the distance against Hunter Azure, who's a notorious gaster himself and was not able to get Hunter Azure out of there, and that kind of like uh, messes with me a little bit. What's See if to again MMA math and past history doesn't sometimes doesn't uh you know translate into future fights, but we'll see if uh he's able to get value out of there. Azure's Azure's made out of steel though, man. That's ah. a guy that like I, I don't know that any not many people are finishing Azure. Whereas, like I said, we've already seen Timor Valley have cracked a couple times, we've seen him yeah. wobbled a couple of times. And uh what you mentioned it before when you take that step up in competition, it's much harder to finish these guys. It takes a little while to acclimate. Yeah. 
But once you acclimate, you go back to being a finisher. Like these guys that get used to that level, they level up, they they get ready, they get used to it, and then all of a sudden everything kind of clicks and they come back around and they become the fighter we saw on the regional scene again at then a new level. So yeah, I, I think this is a spot where Jack Shore has done what he had to do to go ahead and get the get the victories recently. But this should be that step up spot. This should be that stop that spot where maybe he finally puts it all together and things click and he can go ahead and get back to his finishing ways. So I'm looking over on DraftKings. You got 12 to 1 for the KO. And geez, oh, dude, wow. if he flattens him out on his back and has him pounded out, that's a great number. And then sub, you know, we always know the club and sub is there seven to one on the submission. Uh, I'm sure inside the distance is probably just like, you know, plus 600 or plus 650, something like that. I, I don't hate the inside the distance poke on the uh, the fighter who seems to have the higher ceiling. I like it. I like it. Shout out to my guy, the African here, saying the Beverly Hills mall cop got knocked the fuck out by Fluffy Fernandez in 30 seconds on contender series and got overturned because of weed. So, yeah, that was another one that I was trying to remember off the top of my head. Thank you for that one. All right, let's move along here. Next up, we got Nikita Krilov going up against Paul Craig. In terms of odds, we currently got minus 190 on Krilov and plus 160 the return on the Bear Jew. Clint, kick this one off for me, man. How do you see this light heavyweight fight going down? I want my face paint, man. I need to get over here and match Paul Craig here. There was with a the face roar paint. for him at the weigh-ins today. Like, I don't know if there's a lot of Scottish fans or a lot of fans of Paul Craig in He's England. He's just awesome. God damn, there was a roar. We all for love him. Paul Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Dude, he's an absolute wild man. I, I love Paul Craig. I love the energy he brings. I'm super happy to hear. Uh, he was talking about retirement. He's pushed that back about two years now. So something for me, I was saying that, you know, if someone's got one foot out the door, one foot in the grave, you can't be putting a lot of money on those people because they're just not in it the way that they are if they're still hunting for a title. They're not in it the way they are if they're really looking to make waves. If they're already talking about hanging them up in retirement, are they going to push that extra mile when they're running cardio? Are they going to dig deep and not tap when they're deep in an arm bar because you know i could just get out of here like that mentality is different so him saying no 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 i got at least two more years of this having confidence you know seeing what jamal hill and ankaliyev have done and him having tapped both of them him going look i've got more in the tank than i realize so i'm going to keep at this thing that's a mentality thing that i read into that's something that i go okay if he's got both feet in the deep end we're good to go. So I don't mind anybody uh, betting on Paul Craig here. And I love what the guy brings to the table. The problem is, man, I've, I've compared him. He's the male McKenzie Dart. Like that he has no striking. <laughs> he's not a great wrestler, but somehow he always finds his way to the mat. Like his one win condition is submission. And I don't know how or why, but people just volunteer to grapple with Paul Craig. So it makes no sense to me. He's got the perfect opponent again for that to happen. I really think that Nikita Krylov should win this fight by just being the smarter, more technical fighter. If he wants to point strike at range, or if he has his P's and Q's covered and wants to, you know, grapple his way to a win and make sure he's just super careful on the ground, he should be able to win a decision here. Maybe TKO Paul Craig late or something like that. But realistically, we've seen Nikita Krylov giving up some bad positions in scrambles, man. We have seen him make serious mistakes on the floor, and it concerns me that grappling is kind of his main path to victory when he's fighting a guy like Paul Craig. Because if you take Paul Craig down, you're in trouble. You're now in his wheelhouse, even though you think you've got it under control. Usually wrestling trumps jujitsu when guys are evenly matched. Not when Paul Craig's on the mat. Jiu-jitsu seems to win every single damn time when Paul Craig is the one who's on the mat. So... 
I don't hate everybody taking that poke on Craig by sub, man. I think it's absolutely live getting plus 450 or whatever. Like, that's this week's popular play. Everybody on Twitter has Paul Craig by sub in their pockets, and I don't hate it. What I did was play the over one and a half. Um, I like this fight to go a little bit long. Even if Paul Craig does get that sub, it's going to be after Nikita Krylov makes a mistake, which I think will come a little bit later. If Nikita Krylov gets the finish, it's going to be after Paul Craig is tired, uh, tired, which again, I think will be a little bit later. So I, I don't think this fight is going to pop off and be violent from the first bell. I think these guys are going to be slow. I think Paul Craig is going to use those kicks like he does from range and kind of flutter around for a round or two. Um, I'm just looking for it to go over one and a half and then whatever happens happens. I love Paul Craig. I want to bet Paul Craig. I can't quite bring myself to do it. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. And I'm glad that you highlighted that uh, submission prop for Paul Craig. Cause if that number is, uh, anything better than plus 400, it's an almost auto bet considering how much, uh, he likes to go out there and seek the submission, right? There's a couple of things in MMA, especially in the UFC. If you see a specific prop above plus 400 and better, it's pretty, pretty much an auto sprinkle or an auto bet. It's either Paul Craig via sub it's, Terrence McKinney round one, it's Abdul Razak Al-Hassan round one. If you see that ever at plus 400 or better, you bet it. Because more often than not, they're able to cash it, It's his only win condition. Like, exactly. What's the point of money line? He finishes exactly. or he loses. Like, <laughs> yeah. go inside the distance, get yeah. two extra dollars on your bet, go for it. <laughs> Heck, he even made, uh, he turned a TKO into a submission against uh, Shogun Hua two fights ago by making him tap <laughs> out the strikes. Probably one of the saddest moments in MMA for me, but it is what it is. Uh yeah, no, I, I largely agree with you with this matchup. I do think it's going to be Krilov that gets his hand raised. I do think he eventually finds a knockout or late TKO as well. Uh, you know, he is the better striker. I'm hoping that he ditches the minor name and goes back to Al Capone, which is the nickname he used to have coming into the UFC. Because that that fighter used to go out there and sling them bows and try to knock his opponent out and try to have an exciting fight. Because over his last couple of fights, he's been looking to grapple. And that's not what he wants to do here, in my opinion, right? He has, I believe, eight losses... Uh, five of them coming via submission. Why put yourself into the jaws of defeat when you can just stay standing and try to go out there and knock this guy out, which more than likely you have an advantage of in this fight. So uh, I like Krylov, but I'm, I'm not the most intrigued in terms of playing him in this spot. Uh, violence, in my opinion, I saw my guy, uh, the African, shouted out in the chat here. Minus 200 on the fight doesn't go to decision. I don't mind a little bit of a sprinkle on that. My only concern is if Krylov goes out there and just point fights a little bit more is scared of being taken down just stays on the outside and tries to touch up paul craig or even push him against the cage not take him down similar to that yana kunitskaya and yulia stoliarenko fight where she's just like cage clinching her the entire time but anytime stoliarenko wants to pull card she's like just holding her up just no 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 we're not going to the ground we're, we're staying up i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we see something that here with uh, nikita krilov as well but yeah i like krilov krilov by finish uh fight doesn't go to decision i don't mind that either i believe it's three out of the 30 how many fights is that now uh, 35 fights for Nikita Krilov. Only three of them have gone to a decision. And then on the flip side for Paul Craig, he's had uh, 20 fights. Only one of them have gone to a decision. So hopefully that trend continues here because I'd love to see some violence transpire. All right. Let's just go round three, though, so I get that over one and a half. <laughs> okay, round three, just for my guy, Clint. Let's see how that goes. All right, next up, we got Shamil Abdurahimov going up against Sergei Spivak. Uh, minus 335 on Pavlovich and plus 260 to return on Shamil Abdurahimov. Uh, man, remember the days when Abdurahimov used to be heavy chalk? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Now, all of a sudden, after two knockout losses, one to Curtis motherfucking Blades and the other two, Chris Dawkins, whose hand speed is just very difficult for a lot of guys to deal with. 
he is now a plus 260 underdog to a guy in Sergey Pavlovich, who last two fights have gone has gone out there and starched Marcelo Gom, no longer in the UFC, and Marie Screen. I probably am surprised if he's still in the UFC. I don't get the line. You know what I mean? I really want to take the shot on Shamil here, but I feel as though, like, has he really hit that wall? He's 40 years old now. He's been, you know, obviously his last fight was in September against Chris Dawkins. We can chalk that up to Chris Dawkins just being a much better striker, much faster, quicker with the hands. And yeah, that's how he's able to find the knockout. But for the, the good part of that fight, Shamil was one kind of pushing the pressure and having success until the moment that uh, Dawkins was able to clip him at the ending of that first round and drop him. If Sergey Pavlovich can't rock him or drop him here, I could see Shamil weaseling his way to a decision victory in the spot. Just, you know, cage clinching, landing takedowns, even kind of outstriking him as well. He beat Andre Arlovsky over 15 minutes, and that's Arlovsky's bread and butter now going 50 minutes, mostly in the stand-up realm as well. It's not like that uh, Shamil was just ragdolling him on the ground at all for that fight. He was having some good success in the striking realm himself. He did land a couple of takedowns, but it was no Khabib-type performance by any means. So uh, unless his chin has completely hit this crazy wall and Pavlovich is able to go out there and knock him out immediately, I think it's going to be a long night. Uh, me and John were talking about the props last night or uh, earlier yesterday, and uh, Abdurahimov by decision is currently sitting at plus 600, which I think Ooh. is a little bit absurd of a line. That deserves a little bit of a sprinkle here, especially if he's able to get out of that first round. I don't know if he'll be able to put out Pavlovich. Pavlovich seems quite durable, other than that shit-kicking that he took from Alistair Overeem in his UFC debut. But that's over him. You know, Abdurrahimov, he's knocked out a couple guys in the past, but I'm not expecting him to generate that much power to put out a guy like Pavlovich as well. So uh, I still do end up on the, the Pavlovich first-round KO side in terms of an actual prediction. But that that plus 600 subspot, that's going to get a little bit, a little bit of a, a sprinkle for me as well. But uh, official prediction will be Pavlovich. How about you? How do you see this matchup? I, I, again, I'm lockstep with you here, man. Um, I, I completely agree. I think that it all makes sense for Pavlovich to come out and get that first round KO. Uh, apparently, these guys were training partners. So there's going to be some of those deep secrets that maybe the older veteran remembers from his days training with this young buck and, and maybe can pull a fast one on him. Oh, I, I don't want to go against Sergey in this spot. It seems like a passing of the torch. I don't like the 40-year-old. I don't like that he's been knocked out in his last two fights. But man, like cardio grinding people away, pressing them up against the face, uh, against the cage, slowing them down. That's always been his thing. And I think the hand speed of Dawkins is a big, big deal that while Sergey Pavlovich has unreal power, he's much slower than someone like Chris Dawkins. And I think the speed is what got Sergey in that Dawkins fight. So I absolutely can see this fight getting dragged late. This is a live bet spot, man. If Sergey doesn't finish in round one, hammer your you hammer Sergey or not Sergey. Sorry about that. Um, shit, I'm missing up. <laughs> They're my, both Russian. Uh, my Russian <laughs> names here. Hammer Shamil. If he gets out of round one, take plus 350, 400 on him live. If he gets out of round one, because you know a big muscle monster like Sergey is just going to slow down. And what he likes to do is pin those guys up against the fence, pump their arms full of blood, close that distance. They're not as powerful from that range anymore. And then he'll just kind of chip away at him. I don't want to bet it pre-flop because, again, I think the chalk is right. I think Sergey via round one KO should be the result. But at 6-1 to one for a decision prop, I don't hate that. For a live bet, I'm going to be watching because I absolutely will jump in live if he survives that first round. Um, 
it's a sketchy, sketchy spot, man. He, I don't think Sergey is quite the level of some of these other heavyweight prospects. And I think that's really the difference here is that if he's not on the same level of an Aspinall, of a Dawkus, this is the spot where someone like Shamil can step up and upset the apple cart. Yeah, for sure. Live betting is probably the best way to go about it. But again, because uh, I do think Pavlovich will come out hot and heavy early. He will more than likely stretch that live line even wider, and you should be able to get an even better spot on Shamil if he's able to survive that early onslaught. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Mike Grundy going up against Makwan Amirakani in the headliner of the, the prelims. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 195 for Grundy, plus 165 to return on Makwan Amirakani. Clint, I'll have this one over to you, my friend. What do you like here in this grappler's delight? Grundy by knockout, plus 750. <laughs> got a half unit on it already. Um, I got 3.3 units to win two on Grundy at minus 165. Man, I bought in on Grundy, and I already told you I definitely like the emotional factors. I definitely like the out-of-cage factors. When the news broke that Grundy's dad had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and he's going to be cage-side for this fight, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm, I'm betting on Grundy. He's not losing this fight. You know, that's the kind of spot where if you got to dig deep, if you've got to push, you're going to. Like, he's fighting for pops, and it's maybe the last time his dad is going to see him compete he is not losing this fight so i already don't like makwan americani i'm i'm already down <laughs> on the guy relatively in general he gasses out he slows down grundy's going to be able to negate the wrestling which is his biggest strength i just think that grundy is going to get this thing done and i think uh, the quick turnaround for makwan americani i'm actually a little bit worried about uh, his chin and i say worried i mean excited because i think his chin <laughs> is cracked already and i think that grundy with those big hammers that he throws can kind of put that file final nail in the coffin when makwan americani starts to slow down in the second or the third round grundy is going to look for the kill and i think he can get that tko victory so let's go grundy baby Man, and Clint, we're, we're lining up on a lot of shit this weekend. Oh, shit. Uh, I was really hoping that we'd have a little bit more debate on some of these matchups. <laughs> like, God damn it, Clint. We're right in the same wavelength here. I, I do like the Grundy side as well. Uh, you know, obviously that extra narrative outside of the cage helps his case a little bit uh, in terms of motivation and determination to go out there and just fight through, you know, difficult situations inside the cage. I'm sure he'll be able to, you know, think about his pops and kind of go through that. But it, even in, from a fighting skill point, man, Maquan, great first round against Lerone Murphy last time around, but gets a little bit overzealous with his takedowns and uh, pretty much launches himself into a knee from the It was Morphe because he was exhausted there. too, Locke. Yeah, that it too, was, yeah. He was so wiped out from that first round that he was like, fuck, I got to get it to the ground. Yeah. Like that was, that's what that double leg blast takedown from outside was. So yeah, man, he just is not the same guy after round one. Could you imagine how, uh, I, you know what? No, I can imagine this scenario where Grundy actually, you know, anacondas or darces him as well. I know we got a KO prop here, but uh, that's something that Grundy likes to go after as well. And if Maquan's going to be sucking wind come the second round or the one and a half round mark, I could see him kind of just putting himself into one of those submissions and getting choked out as well. But uh, yeah, I like the Grundy side. I think he'll be able to, you know, hold his own in terms of the wrestling here. I'd be surprised if Maquan's able to get many successful dominant positions. I think it's going to be uh, pretty much Grundy nullifying most of that, controlling the striking for the most part, and then maybe even landing that knockout blow at some point in the second or third round. But yeah, I like Grundy. Grundy KO plus 750 in my mind is way too wide of a line. We know he has the knockout power. We know Maquan's very chinny. Let's fucking go. Hopefully he can ship it for the boys with that plus 750 KO. But yes, Let's I'm on go. the Grundy side as well. All right. 
Let's move along here. That brings us to our main card. Shout out to the 140 live viewers that we currently have with us on this Friday afternoon. Appreciate you guys hanging with us and ingesting the information that we have for you guys to make your last-minute bets for tomorrow's UFC London. Make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. Show my guy Clint some love as well. His Twitter handle is in the description below. Make sure you guys click that. And also... Make sure you guys click the Deadlock podcast as well. The link to that is in the description below. That's our bi-weekly podcast that me and Clint do where we uh, take off our betting caps, put on our fan caps, and just talk a bunch of shit, have some fun, have some laughs, and hopefully you guys are going to be there to enjoy it as well. So make sure you guys go check that out. All right. Let us get into the main card here. We got Hype Train number, what is this, number two now? Hype Train number two of the night mr Ilya toporia taking on jai herbert in terms of odds we got minus 630 on Ilya toporia plus 450 the return on jai herbert uh interesting fight here you know Ilya toporia obviously was scheduled to fight moves are evil back in january evil pulls out in steps charles jordan on short notice and out steps Ilya toporia from uh botching his weight cut to 145 pounds but seems like he really wants to reverse that asap taking somewhat of a short notice spot here against Jai Herbert up a weight class. We saw the size difference at the weigh-ins here, but I don't think it's going to matter much given how these guys match up with each other. Ilya Taporia, master grappler, master jiu-jitsu player. The guy is, is a beast on the ground. When he's able to get you there, I think he's going to be able to slice through most opponents like butter. Jai Herbert, great striker, uses his range well at times, but seems to have a bit of a durability issue at times. Just look at that Francisco Trinaldo fight, winning that fight for 12 and a half, 13 and a half minutes, and then gets clipped and put out by old man Trinaldo. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we saw the Hanato Moicano fight, put up a little bit of a fight early there, you know, with Moicano getting, getting him down almost immediately. Did a good job in terms of defending the submissions and the dominant positions, but it was just a matter of time before Moicano was going to be able to wrap it up. I believe, as, though, that we're going to get Taporia to get this done in the first round. I think he gets the takedown right off the jump, and I think from there he'll be able to get that dominant position and finish. Now people want to do that whole MMA math thing where they're like, oh, Moicano needed, you know, a round and a half to get this guy out of there. What makes you think Ilya Taporia is going to do that? I just give you guys the example that happened last week or the week before with Guido Canetti and Chris Moutinho. It took Sean O'Malley almost a full three rounds to get Moutinho out of there, but it only took Guido Canetti one round. It doesn't mean just because it took Sean O'Malley forever to get him out of there that it was going to take Guido Canetti forever to get him out of there. And I think the same thing applies here. Although it's KO versus submission or KO versus ground and pound in this situation, I still think that Taporia is a man on a mission right now. He knows the public image of him is kind of, you know, taking a little bit of a hit after his whole uh, debacle with the weigh-ins uh, back in January. So I think he wants to go out there and make a statement. And this is the perfect guy to make a statement against in Jai Herbert, who has a, I don't want to say non-existent ground game, but a very not good ground game compared yeah. to what he's going to be facing here against Ilya Taporia. So uh, give me Taporia, Taporia inside the distance, maybe even Taporia round one. I want to mind a little bit of a shot on that. Uh, last thing I'll say about this matchup and then hand it over to you, Clint. Uh, can, we, can we find out who the hell Jai Herbert's uh, manager is? Like Hanato Moikano and Ilya Taporia within three fights? Come on, my man. Let this guy celebrate the comma worthy win with another win over somebody else. Yeah. It's not going to be Ilya Taporia, but uh, let the guy build some confidence before you diminish it once again. But yeah, I like Taporia. What about you, Clint? Yeah, his manager's got to do a bit better of a job finding them some soft spots because this is a rough run here. Um, 
I don't think anybody's arguing against Ilya Teporia, man. He's one of my Georgian warriors. I love these guys. His ground game is on the next level. We've seen Jai Herbert taken down with basically zero resistance. He tries to play off of his back. It doesn't work. He's got that knockout power. His striking is slick. But damn, dude, he's fighting a much, much smaller and more agile fighter. So if you think he's going to be able to pump his jab out there and keep Ilya Teporia away from him for 15 minutes, God love you. I don't think he can. I just, I don't think he can pull that off for a straight 15 minutes. We saw what happened in his UFC debut when he tried to jab somebody for 15 minutes. Eventually he got bonked and it didn't end well. He's got chin issues, man. I don't think Jai Herbert's very durable. So all of it's on the table here for Ilya Taporia. I think he's a rightful favorite. Yeah, with the size difference. Yeah, with the weight class difference. Maybe Jai catches him with a knee coming in and he knocks him out clean or something like that. But I think we're talking banana peel. I, I do think that this is a spot where if he wins, it's going to be a meme knockout. He's capable. He hits hard. I just don't see it happening personally. I got Ilya Taporia in a parlay. I don't know if he does it by decision because... When you see these guys go up in weight class, sometimes it takes more effort. Sometimes they do have to grind instead of getting that easy finish. So I didn't want to do inside the distance and then be left there missing an easy spot if he got the win by decision. I just parlayed him. I don't blame you. Again, this this seems like a pretty easy squash match, and it's very difficult for Jai Herbert as well, having to do that in front of his hometown as well. But it is what it is. And he they tried to contract. do it to Diego Sanchez. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Let's keep Sell this- some tickets. We're going to show you get knocked out. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jai. Hopefully he didn't even give out like a promo code to his fans or anything to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fighting somewhere in England, but just, just watch it on TV. It's fine. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got a flyweight fight between Molly McCann and Luana Carolina. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 140 for McCann, plus 120 to return on Luana Carolina. Clint, kick this one off for me, man. Who do you like in this spot? I got a soft spot for Dreadlock. I really do. I was the one that called her upset in that last fight where everybody counted out my girl, Luana Carolina. Nobody thought she was going to be able to survive Lupita Gudinez in that grappling onslaught. I told you she was going to survive the grappling onslaught, man. People just underrate Luana Carolina. The problem for me is now everybody's overrating Luana Carolina because of the Lupita Gondinez fight. So, like, I was ahead of the curve last time, and now when people are saying the same things I am, I'm like, hmm, suspect, <laughs> suspicious. Like, I don't want to be on the same train as the recency bias people. I do think that Luana is being overlooked. I think that everybody expects her to just be awful. She's not. She's at Nova Unyao. She's getting better. Her grappling is on point. She's attacking some submissions, and she's been this close to syncing them up a couple of times. Hasn't quite got one yet. It's coming. Uh, Molly McCann, though, she's the hometown girl. She's got the crowd behind her. She's durable as all hell. Comes forward, winging big punches. Her defense is non-existent. She's a liability on the feet. But she's tough as freaking nails, man. So you're not going to knock her out. You're not going to put her down. She can take whatever you throw at her. I have a hard time seeing Luana Carolina winning a decision here. And that's mostly because of the hometown advantage. I think she's live. I think on a neutral site. This would be a spot where Luana Carolina is somebody you could potentially put some money behind uh, at a pick'em price tag. I want a bigger plus number to actually back Luana Carolina here in this spot, and I'm just not quite getting what I want out of it. But I'm tempted to go ahead and pull the trigger because that's been my read basically all week is that she's live. I don't want to count on her finishing Molly McCann because you don't finish Molly McCann. 
Um, I do think that, like I said, that submission prop could be a sneaky spot where she's getting like 16 to 1 to lock up a, a choke because she's got those long arms, man. Darces and anacondas, they come from weird angles. Molly likes to mix in a take or, take down or two here and there. I do think we could see a little bit of grappling here in this fight. I think once Molly closes the range, she's going to be a sucker for some knees and elbows. Luana's got some sweet Muay Thai on her. This fight's going to be close. It's going to be hairy. The problem I have is, do I want to pay a coin flip price tag versus the hometown girl who's probably not getting KO'd. I'm going to pick Luana Carolina. Maybe I end up betting her by tomorrow if I just need that itch, if I need that action. As of right now, I haven't moved on anything, but I'm, I'm kind of on the dread side of things. Yeah, finally, somewhere we're, we're finally going to disagree, All, albeit you're not that <laughs> convicted on the Luana Carolina side. But uh, I got in on Molly McCann earlier this week at minus 124. I thought that was a great line for her and a great matchup for her as well. I see it going down similar to the Ji-Yoon Kim fight where Kim will obviously have the size and reach advantage and obviously the same will uh, Carolina, but they don't really do a good job in terms of establishing that range, right? Molly McCann did a really good job in terms of crashing the pocket against Kim landing her boxing, keeping her on her back foot, and really just stalking her the entire time, right? I, I think, like, I th I see some people saying that, you know, the best way for Molly to win this fight would be to go out there and grapple, try to get this fight to the ground and use her grappling. But I'm not the most sold on her wrestling, man. I, I really don't <laughs> think that's the best way to go about it because I think if she gets desperate with some of these takedowns, she might get reversed. She might get tripped on. She might get tossed. You know, Carolina is still a bigger individual in the spot, and I think that Molly McCann's wrestling style has a little ways to go. Yeah, she was able to beat, uh, who was it? Um, uh, god damn uh, she wrestled somebody uh, a while ago and everybody was like oh she's a great wrestler now and then I faded her against Tyler Santos and everybody's like oh she was supposed to grapple Tyler Santos to get her to the ground oh she beat Ariane Lipsky I think she grappled her there the Priscilla Cash were the same thing there uh, Deanna Bobita obviously she was able to grapple her, grapple her in that spot as well and then she tried doing it against Tyler Santos and there was no way that was going to fly in that matchup you don't grapple Tyler Santos yeah you, you don't you don't grapple Tyler Santos they, they there's false uh, or or yeah there was false indications that she would be able to because of what Mara Romero or Barella was able to do to Tyler Santos in her UFC debut. But we know sometimes people just don't show who they really are in their UFC debut. And I think that was the case there for Tyler Santos. Since then, she's been able to flip it around. And, you know, she's on a crazy run right now, uh, making her way into the top seven, top eight of that division. But in regards to this matchup, if Molly McCann uh just goes out there and crashes the pocket time and time again i really think she'll be able to get through those defenses of carolina which are very soft in my opinion she doesn't do a good job at all of, of maintaining that distance uh i think she can just keep keep touching her up keep touching her up get the roar of the crowd start to optically get the judges on her side and hopefully she can take home a decision victory a little bit of a conspiracy hat thing that i got going on as well uh mccann by sub plus 1100 uh she threw up a couple of yeah, there it is i love how you have it andy it's ready every time it. it's right here <laughs> uh yeah plus 1100 mccann by sub uh when she was getting grappled by uh uh, black belt Lara Procopio. She had a couple good submission attempts that she was throwing up there, and I wouldn't be surprised if she caught Luana Carolina in similar armbar situations. Carolina might tap, man. She she doesn't seem like the strongest girl. McCann really has a torque on her. Uh, she got really close against Lara Procopio a couple times, so if she does find herself on her back and Carolina tries to just grapple her from on top, I wouldn't be surprised at an armbar from guard women's MMA type of situation. So a little bit of a sprinkle on that, but I do ultimately think it's going to be a decision victory for McCann. Home town cooking say what you want about that but i do think she'll look better optically crashing forward landing the better shots well what are you looking at me like that for clint 
It's funny because our disagreement is actually talking me into the bet. Like <laughs> usually when so what happens with me lock is I like to do my research. There's a very small circle of people, yourself being one of the ones included that I listen to on fights because I don't want to be swayed off my opinions. I don't yeah. want to listen to somebody else and go, oh, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Like I should maybe rethink that. But what happens sometimes is when I hear somebody, especially somebody who I respect, and when my brain goes, now that ain't right, it like digs my heels in. I'm like, no, I firmly disagree with that. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I have more conviction than uh, than I really believe that I do in this spot. And that's kind of what's happening here. So one thing that you mentioned was the, uh, the June Kim fight, the yeah. fire fist. And you were talking about how she's going to, Luana Carolina probably similarly will not be able to uh, hold that range and work with the jab and lock. That's because she doesn't fight that way. That's not how Dread fights. Yeah. She's not going to try to keep Molly McCann at range with the jab. She does Muay Thai. She wants her in range. She wants to elbow her in the face. She wants to clinch her up and knee her in the gut. So when Molly McCann crashes in, that's actually going to play into the offense of Luana Carolina. Again, I don't know that she's going to knock her out, but... I just think, you know, between you and I as buddies that are sports betting, I'm not trying to talk you off anything, but that's not the way Dread fights. So if if you think that she's going to be like backpedaling and trying to jab Molly McCann's face and staying away from the power, she's going to welcome the car crash, man. And that's one of those things that I, I kind of am like, man, I, that's going to play right into what she wants to do. You know, this line opened up with Luana Carolina being the slight favorite. And it's been all betting action that has driven it the other way. We're starting to see plus 120s out there for Luana Carolina. And that's kind of more the number I'm interested in, man. If I can get like plus 120, plus 125, I might jump in here. Um, and like I said, you you and I are both on the same wavelength as far as a sneaky submission maybe being possible <laughs> by our respective chick here uh, on Saturday. I do think that we're going to see some grappling. I do think that somebody might slip up. And I kind of favor the, the length and the skinny arms of Carolina getting those submissions, getting those chokes, getting the hooks, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, man, I, I might actually end up being talked into, you know, betting the other side here on this one after running through it with you. <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. I'd, happy, I'd be happy to see that uh, that bet placed after uh, this conversation as well. But, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about my ticket at minus 124. Obviously, it's getting a little bit out of a hat now, minus 150, minus 140. The the thing is, you I like fading both of these women. I the like last time I beat a line move on Molly McCann... <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, I'm I'm very intrigued to see how this fight plays out. But again, more often than not, I look to fade these women. I just feel as though that this is a better stylistic matchup for Molly McCann than it is for Luana. We'll see how it plays out. I, I think, had to take a shot at minus one forty four. Again, I think I, Molly Molly's the kind of fighter where we know who she is. Molly's always gonna be Molly. Like there's gonna be certain spots where she's a home run, and there's gonna be certain spots where we know we can bet against her because she is what she is. I think Luana Carolina's got a higher ceiling. I think she's improving. I think she's getting better. She's someone who, while she may have been a fade, is starting to become someone I'm going to look forward to betting on in the future. And I think she's going to catch some people with their pants down. Maybe this is that week. I was hoping to get like plus 140. You know, I, I want a better number, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I still haven't bet it yet. So anybody in the chat, like, I'm, I'm, my money is not on Carolina yet. 
It might be. It's not yet. Follow me on Twitter if you want to know if I make the bet or not. <laughs> there you guys go. Maybe we'll have a, a deadlock podcast head-to-head -head, uh, pick right there. You know I'm going to be tweeting you as soon as that fight kicks off. So we'll see oh, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to put something extra on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, next up, we got a welterweight fight between Gunnar Nelson and Takashi Sato. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at uh, minus 490 for Gunnar Nelson, plus 360 to return on Takashi Sato. Uh, been a long time since we've seen Gunnar Nelson inside the Age. Last time we saw him go out there, he uh, was handed a defeat by Mr. Gilbert Burns. Uh, that was September of 2019. Hilarious because I believe that was the second ever fight. Let me just quickly confirm that. I think that was the second ever fight Gilbert Burns took at 170 pounds. Yeah, that is correct. That's the second fight he took at 170 pounds. And then since then, we obviously know where his career has gone. Managed to get himself a title shot and a lot of big, uh, big spots as well uh, for his future. But uh, yeah, Gunnar Nelson's been out for a while now. Apparently, he had a rib injury something like upper rib area that was affecting his shoulder and his and his collarbone and all that that had him out for close to two and a half years or so uh but now he's coming back in a pretty favorable matchup uh yeah exactly training with the mountain i believe that's what it was but uh yeah no uh now he has a favorable matchup here in takashi sato who's actually stepping in on short notice for claudio silva which i thought was another you know uh favorable matchup for for Gunnar Nelson there. Gunnar, when he's on, his BJJ looks prime. He's able to get his opponents to the ground and he flows so effortlessly on top, maintaining that top position and that the dominant positions as well, whether it's full mount or even the back mount of his opponent. And it's just a matter of time until he finds that neck under your chin or some sort of submission and takes it on home with him. His striking, very much karate style, right? He likes that wide base side style uh, where he kind of likes to, you know, blitz in and out with his one-two shots. Uh, sometimes likes to go with the strikes, sometimes likes to go with the takedowns, uh, but he's very fluid in those situations. But he's on a little bit of a tough stretch, right? One in three in his last four fights, not a good look, albeit against pretty damn good competition uh on the flip side for takashi sato uh he's coming in on short notice like i said but off a layoff of his own right last time we saw him in the cage was in november of 2020 when he lost via arm triangle to miguel baeza uh not a good look for him as his last three losses have all come via submission now here he comes in against another submission wizard in gunner nelson unless takashi sato goes out there and gets an early knockout of some sort i think he finds himself on the ground and pretty quickly put to sleep by a guy in Gunnar Nelson who is more than likely going to be able to find that submission quickly. So uh, I, I like Gunnar Nelson in this spot. I just have a little bit of question marks based on the layoff and the injuries that he's coming off of. But uh, fight doesn't go to decision. is sitting at minus 250. If you want a parlay piece, I feel like that's a damn good spot because both guys should be able to find a finish if they get their hand raised here. I'm more so going to lean with the Gunnar Nelson side. Uh, obviously, submission is sitting at minus 125 for him. Makes complete sense. But that's what I got to go with. I'm going to go Nelson sub, but I just want to sit back and watch my guy get his feet wet again before I really, you know, have that confidence to back him again in, in a spot like this. Again, it's it's a cupcake spot, but he should be able to get it done. He's 33 years old. Got to get back on the horse now before he, that age starts to creep up on him again and uh, he starts taking L's again, but he should get his hand raised here. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, man. Um, this is... Uh... I'm in on Gunnar Nelson. Uh, he's the next leg of my parlay. I got a three-leg chalk-ass parlay here in this spot. And I just think he wins this fight however he wants. I love Takashi Sato. He's one of my favorite personalities. He's such a good guy. He's always got a smile, joking around. Shit, he trolled us all on Twitter with his weight cut situation that going bastard. on. Like, he he knows, the son of a bitch. I love him. I absolutely love Takashi Sato. Um, but he's a one-hitter quitter. 
He's got decent power. He's not even like the most vicious power puncher you've ever seen, but he's got real meat and potatoes striking. He's not going to catch you off guard. He doesn't do anything special. He's not fast. Someone like Gunnar Nelson's going to have a significant speed advantage on him. And with that inside-outside movement in the big cage at the O2, I think Takashi's going to have a hard time touching him. And we've seen what happens when Takashi hits the ground. He's a fish out of water. He gets subbed. Gunnar Nelson has always been slick when it comes to being on the mat. And he's wrestling guys like the mountain. It's not going to be a problem for Takashi Sato to be a little bit bigger than him. He's used to it at this point. His only losses are to top contenders in the division. Like Gunnar Nelson's no joke, man. So I understand people hesitating a little bit. Yeah, Skywalker in the chat calling out my read earlier. He's the Asian <laughs> Sam Alvey. Takashi Sato is his Asian Sam Alvey. No, and by the way, I love both Takashi and Sam. So don't think that's an insult, but it's it just funny. Um, I got Gunnar Nelson. I think the uh, submission prop being at even money is kind of shitty. I was hoping to get like plus 160, catch the bookies sleeping. They know. So yeah, the play is Gunnar Nelson by submission. I've got him in a parlay. He could win by decision just by like, you know, sticking and moving, leg kicking, running around, that kind of thing. I absolutely think that's something he can pull off. And uh, you never know. Maybe he crashes the pocket, lands a bomb, and gets a KO. I'm not really expecting it, but it's also not like it's off the table. So if Gunnar Nelson can win any way he wants to, parlay is the way to go so you don't get yourself on the wrong side of a prop, laying even money on the sub, and then he TKOs him or some shit. Like, you just don't want to be in that spot. Yeah, that's a good point right there. His KO prop currently sitting at plus 650, which is not out of the question either. Funny enough, Miguel Baeza by sub last time around was plus 1,200. So shout out to anybody that was able to cash in on that against Takashi Sato. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Hype trade number three rolling through. We got Patty Pimblett going up against Rodrigo Vargas. In terms of odds, we got minus 650 on Pimblett and plus 460 the return on Rodrigo Vargas. Uh, Clint, I'll let you kick this one off, man. What do you think about this matchup between uh, the hype train and Vargas trying to stop that hype train? Patty's my anchor, man. I got that chalk yeah. parlay, and Patty closes it out. I absolutely think that Patty Pimblett is the goods. I think the UFC is going to, you know, treat him the right way, give him winnable, favorable matchups until he gets the point that he's rounded enough that people are going to be trying to fade this man and losing money doing it. He's going to be the next Sean O'Malley. You know, I, I hate the guy and always try to look for an opportunity to bet against him. And it just never happens because the window has closed. He got better and now it's too late. Now he's good. You're not going to be able to fade him. I think that's kind of what's going to happen here. People are expecting him to get those holes exposed. They're matching him up with the right kind of fighter. Rodrigo Vargas is only a meme, you know, banana peel knockout victory here is all he's got on the table. He's not going to out wrestle Patty Pimblett. He's not going to out jujitsu Patty Pimblett. He's not going to out strike Patty Pimblett after what we saw last time around either. It's going to be a knockout punch or nothing. I can't endorse the dog here whatsoever. I think Patty wins however he wants, mostly by submission. I agree with you, and I am doing my why I ought to fist to you for taking him in fighter stonks because I do think that his stock is going to rise over the next couple fights, and it's just <laughs> a matter of time before you can buy uh, or you can sell high because there's going to be, be a matchup that a lot of people think that he's supposed to win that he's not going to end up winning because hype blinds a lot of people, and I feel like Patty's doing that to a lot of people right now, but this is a great fight for him to go out there and win. I'm not sure how you can watch the tape and come out otherwise. Sure, there are times that Patty gets a little bit sloppy with the striking but when he is on he likes to grapple and it doesn't seem that hard to grapple a guy like rodrigo vargas we've seen guys do it in the past i think that patty Pimlet will have the same level of success here i think he drags this fight to the ground i think he gets a finish relatively quickly but if this is stretched over the 15 minutes i still believe that he should be able to control that uh the fight from the top position 
and just take it home. I'm just hoping he doesn't get sucked into the crowd's energy and wants to go out there and give them a slugfest because that would be the worst thing you could do against a guy like Vargas who could possibly turn his lights out as well. But uh, I think Patty knows what he's doing here. Got to take the fight to the ground, drown this guy immediately and try to get that finish ASAP. And then let's see who we, who they match him up moving forward. Because, uh, again, I think there's a lot of guys that will beat him and a lot of guys that will make it very difficult for him to crack that top 10, especially of the lightweight division. The lightweight division, there's a lot of killers out there. So I'd be surprised if Patty Pimble ever cracks that top 10, see, unless he gets very favorable matchmaking. That's the only way I can, I can think he gets it. That division is so thick. It's going to yeah. take him a while to climb that ladder. They're not fast tracking this kid. They're going to it's going to be the Conor McGregor situation. He's going to have easy matchups all the way until he's ready to crack that top 15. By that point, he'll be ready. So Who's who's uh, the, who's the deceiver equivalent for him though? <laughs> you know, and right now that's a great question. Lightweight is so deep though, man. Like there's so many people that they can match him up with. He beat Luigi Vendramini, who's already a decent name. Like, I like Luigi. Luigi, that was the spot where I thought we could fade Patty Pimblett, and he damn near got it done. Rodrigo Vargas, in my opinion, is a step down from Luigi. Like, that's what I'm saying. They're, like, backing off. They're like, oh, he got cracked by Luigi. He made it work, but shit, we need to, like, make it a little bit easier for him. They'll give him they'll give him a couple of other fights that are very easy, very winnable. And the division's so deep, they got all the time in the world. Kid's only 27 years old. He's gonna get cupcake fights for the next four fights, four years. Yeah. I, I can see that as well. They got a cash cow in this kid. They might as well moke it as exactly. long as they can. All right. That brings us to our co-main event. We got Arnold Allen going up against Dan Hooker. In terms of odds, we got minus 115 on Allen, minus 105 on Dan Hooker. Whew. Also, I, I feel like I didn't even get my, my prediction for Patty Pimblett, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Patty Pimblett as well. Uh, either way, uh, back to this Coleman event. The one weigh-in that a lot of people were looking forward to, right? 145 pounds for Dan Hooker for the first time in years now, I believe. I just want to quickly get that number correct here in terms of the last time we saw him at Featherweight. I believe his last appearance at Featherweight was a loss to Jason Knight, and that was back in November of 2016. So we're coming up on uh, just short of six years since the last time he made 145 pounds. He had a damn good run at 155 pounds coming up short against guys like Edson Barboza, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, and then obviously uh, Islam Mahachev on short notice there. But if if we can get bits and pieces of Dan, 155 Dan Hooker down at 145, he's going to be a problem for a lot of these guys, especially as he goes back to continuously making the 145-pound weight class. Uh, I think it'll get easier and easier for him to keep doing that. Um, I know he's up there in age, but if he's able to bang out a couple fights here and just try to master that weight cut similar to what Edson Barboza has been able to do down there at 145 pounds, this guy's going to be a problem for a lot of guys. Now, I love Arnold Allen, right? The guy's a great prospect, 17-1 and one, uh, on a great winning streak inside the UFC. I think he's 8-0 inside the UFC now in the last seven years. Uh, hasn't been that active. You know what I mean? Like eight fights in seven years is not really that much when guys are normally having two to three fights a year. Uh, but... You know, he's very disciplined at times. That's pretty much what won him that Sodiq Yusuf fight. He was waiting for his openings to clip Sodiq, managed to clip him, get him to the ground, and then uh, pretty much just win it off those two big moments, right? Third round, I thought he lost. Sodiq Yusuf was pretty much walking him down the entire time there. But there's little moments that Arnold Allen kind of relies on to just edge these fights out. He's just winning these fights. But you can't just win these fights against a guy like Dan Hooker, man. Dan Hooker's volume, his output is very difficult to deal with. And I think that Arnold Allen will have a lot of trouble dealing with that. If Allen is able to knock him out, that's probably his best way to win this fight. Or for him to record at least two knockdowns uh, in the first and second round. Otherwise, 
I think Hooker drowns him. Even if Hooker wants to take a grapple-heavy approach, I think he can do that here. You know, that's something that's very sneaky about his game. He did it to Nazar Hackbrass. He's done it to a couple fighters in the past, but he has a sneaky submission game as well, so I wouldn't count that out either. But I think a classic Dan Hooker performance where he's just touching up his opponent from the outside and just throwing volume at them will absolutely work here. Arnold Allen does almost nothing to garner any respect from his opponents other than when he was able to knock down Sadiq Youssef. But is he going to be able to clip Dan Hooker here? Is he going to be able to, you know, close that range and, uh, and and land on Hooker in this spot and drop him and hurt him enough to drop him? I just don't know. I, it's hard to bank on that type of game plan and that type of outcome, whereas Dan Hooker seems to have every other box checked. He's going to go out there and, and just throw the volume and just get the numbers up there. And he's going to start to get ahead of Allen. And then it's going to get harder and harder for Allen to start closing that gap unless he finds that big big finish or big knockout. I wouldn't even be surprised if Dan Hooker gets out early and then just looks to clinch Allen up against the cage to try to slow this fight down, try to you know nullify any type of knockdown opportunity for Arnold Allen and uh, just cruise his way to a decision victory here. So uh, I like uh, Dan Hooker a lot here. I botched the line movement. I got in early this week at minus 111 for two units uh i still feel just as good about him if if this line somehow takes a spike and we get dan hooker down to plus 120 plus 130 come fight time because people aren't sold on how we looked at the weigh-ins i'll take a little bit more on dan hooker at plus 120 plus 130 because that's how confident i feel and feel on in him in this spot so uh yeah i'm going dan hooker dan hooker via decision and i think it's going to look a lot easier than people are making it out to be how do you feel about this one I'm right there with you, Locke. I got a three-unit banger throwing hammers on my guy, Dan the Hangman Hooker. It is hooker season, in my opinion. Um, I, I just think that this is a recency bias spot, man. He fought some of the best guys at 155, the absolute best. You know, he he welcomed a vicious power puncher to the UFC, and we realized very quickly that uh, he can win in first round against pretty much anybody, and Dan Hooker was the unfortunate recipient of that bomb. <laughs> but he hasn't been a guy that's been shown to be chinny throughout his career or anything beyond that. And then he took on Islam Makachev, who is the... Uh, rightful heir to the throne and the belt at 155 according to most people so like why are we looking down on him for losing to some of the best that 155 has to offer now he's cutting himself down to 145 you mentioned the brazilian balloon edson barboza he got that weight down man he is huge if you watch the face-offs he is absolutely massive when compared to his opponent here in this spot that size is going to be a problem i like arnold allen i think he's got a bright future i don't think he can wrestle as well as Islamakachev. i think people are sleeping on dan hooker's ground game i think that the jab and move type of strategy of arnold allen is not going to work when he's at a decent reach disadvantage i think people forgot hooker's about to remind him man i got even money three units plus 100 let's go i like it i like it again I know we're, we're probably going to be on the same side of this co-main event and main event slot, and I was hoping to have a little bit more of a debate with my uh, with my guests here, but when you're right, you're right, Clint. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yep. <laughs> all right, that brings us to our main event. Shout out to the 200 live viewers that we currently have. Appreciate the love and support. I know you guys love seeing mine and Clint's faces together. You can see that bi-weekly on the Deadlock Podcast. Link to the channel is on the description below. That's the podcast that me and Clint to do together where we take off our betting caps, we put on our fan hats, and we just talk shit, and uh, we try to make each other laugh, and we just have a ton, a ton of fun. So make sure you guys go check that out. Every I don't know why people want to see my face. I got Wednesday. a face for radio. Hey, hey come on. That, there's a reason your TikTok game is really taking off right now because you're absolutely killing it as well. That's because uh, I'm the funny fat guy. You don't, you don't have to be <laughs> cute to have TikTok take off. I'm just funny. <laughs> hey, one of these days, 
I'm going to need you to come on with that mustache as well. Because that, that mustache TikTok you made was absolutely amazing. I don't know I why. I love that filter. <laughs> <laughs> that was a filter? It was God a filter. Damn, I thought it was like one of those like like tape on mustache things. Dude, Holy TikTok God. filters are like scary how realistic they look sometimes. Holy you have no God. idea they're fake. That was good. That was yeah. damn good. Uh, again, if you want some more cracks and, and jokes and all that, Deadlock Podcast. Make sure you guys check that shit out. We'll be back in, in two weeks for the next episode. Anyway, uh, shout out to the 200 live viewers. Make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. Show my guy Clint some love as well. The link to his Twitter uh, page is in the description below. So just click that and then click that follow if you haven't already. All right, let's get into the main event here. You got the veteran Alexander Volkov coming in at plus 110. Tom Aspinall coming in at minus 130. He is hype train number four on the card I'll kick this one off and I'll try to keep it nice and short because I've been I've been I've been hammering this Volkov argument all week. I'm getting sick of it already. I'm sure all the people that have heard me talk about it are getting sick about it already. But I don't know how you can confidently go out there and back a guy like Tom Aspinall in this spot in the biggest step up of his life in his first ever five rounder in the UFC against the guy who's only ever been knocked out twice in his 43 fight career. But he's just as good as Cyril Gonlock. Oh, is he? Is he? Is he though? Is he? he? Is. Clint, that is the worst fucking comparison I've heard all week. And it grinds my gears that people are <laughs> comparing the two here. Cyril Gon is amazing. The guy is <laughs> all, near flawless outside of that takedown defense that he has. But his striking game is far and above what Tom Aspinall can do over 25 minutes. Sure, in the first five minutes, first six minutes, sure, he can look great. His speed looks good. He crashes the pocket ball. He has good power. Okay, but can he do that for 25 minutes if he needs to? Can he do that if he can? If he can't get Volkov out of there? Oh, did I forget that he couldn't knock out Andre Arlovsky? Was it? Is it Arlovsky one of the easiest people to knock out? No, is is that not what's happened? Is it? Wasn't that what the consensus is? He hit him. He couldn't put him out. Looked like he was starting to tire. Looked like Andre Arlovsky was landing some good shots on him too. Now imagine that's Alexander motherfucking Volkov who can go out there and pretty much pick you apart from range, kick you up the, the stomach, really chop down your gas tank, and then make you drown in deep waters. That's what Alexander Volkov is going to do in this spot. That's why I really like Volkov in this spot. So just to be on a safe side, I got I will have two and a half units on Alexander Volkov. I'm still waiting for the line to move a little bit. It's sitting around plus 108 on pinnacle for me right now. I think we're going to get some more Aspinall love over the next... 12 or so hours, I will gladly wait my time, try to get a better line on Alexander Volkov. But I'm also going to take the under three and a half because sure, it covers heavyweight MMA, right? If uh, somehow Volkov's chin doesn't show up today or, or tomorrow, sure, Aspinall might be able to find that chin and put him up. But I have more than enough data to support that his chin will hold up and he should be able to take that shot from Aspinall or even nullify the amount of success Aspinall has in terms of closing that distance and finding that chin cleanly enough to begin with. So the under three and a half at even money is a good play in my opinion, but not just because the Aspinall side, because I think that Volkov can finish him as well within three and a half rounds. I think that he can chip away at the body. I think he can just manage his time, manage his distance well enough to wait, even land that knee up the middle whenever Aspinall wants to crash forward with his uh, power punches. I think he can land that knee, suck the wind out of Aspinall, and then eventually finish him by the third or fourth round in this spot. So, yeah, I really like Alexander Volkov here. Last thing I saw about this, and I'll swing it on over to you, the Marcin Tybora fight, sure. Could be a slight red flag. He looked like he was slowing down. Very uncharacteristic of him, right? We normally see him go out there and showcase solid cardio over 25 minutes if he needs to. But that was a little bit of a blip, in my opinion. I can't 
wholeheartedly say that that is a sign that Alexander Volkov is declining unless we get more of a sample size. We need two. We need three fights straight of him showing that he's slowing down. And don't tell me that he's slowing down in the Cyril Gan fight. That's Cyril Gan doing Cyril Gan shit. That's why I'm not going to bother putting that into my red flag category. That's a Cyril Gan fight. But the the, the Marcin Tabora fight, even on his worst nights, he goes out there and gets the win. And now he's going to go out there and derail a hype train in Tom Aspinall. Clint, give me, give me round two. Give me round three. Give me round four of Volkov getting the finish. All of those, uh, respectively, are uh, plus 1,100, plus 1,600, plus 2,200. Okay, if Aspinall somehow makes it to round five, plus 2,800 Volkov to win in round five. Throw in the KO round four, round five, whatever the fuck it is. You get even better numbers. Put, put some money on that shit and uh, buy yourself some uh, big dinner, a feast the next day. Th thanks to uh, Mr. Alexander Volkov. Please continue to hammer home the Alexander Volkov side because I know you got to bet on Volkov as well. I'm going to go full Rocky Four here on you, Log. Drago! <laughs> like, we're definitely Team Drago this week, baby. <laughs> I think people are drastically overestimating Tom Aspinall. Don't get me wrong. The kid's got a high ceiling. He's a hot prospect, but you did this with Chris Dawkins against the Black Beast not so long ago, folks. Everybody just wants to pile on these guys. At heavyweight, it takes longer to mature as a fighter. These guys can fight longer than some of the other weight classes. Power is the distinctive factor at heavyweight. So you see guys fighting until they're 38, until they're 40, 42, and they can still have success at heavyweight. So when you're the 26, 27-year-old hot prospect, when was the last time we saw a 26 or 27-year-old heavyweight champion lock? It doesn't happen. These guys take so much longer to grow and mature and get to the level that they need to be at. So yes, Tom Aspinall has fast hands. He's explosive. He hits hard. He's the guy that could upset the apple cart in round one. If he doesn't finish Volkov early, he's not going to. The longer this fight goes on, the more it favors my guy, Alexander Volkov. And I see all the comments in the chat. He's never won a 25-minute decision. Well, let's talk about that, why don't we? Curtis Blades was the man he lost a 25-minute decision to, nearly KO'd him in round five. The man couldn't get up off the canvas, and he set a record for UFC takedowns simply trying to control Volkov for that, in 20, that entire 25 minutes. Is Aspinall going to follow that game plan? Fuck no. He was exhausted with one blast double leg against... Uh, Andre Arlovsky, like you think he's going to wrestle for 25 minutes here? Please, by all means, please try to wrestle my guy Volkov for 25 minutes. I beg you, that's going to make it that much easier of a win for us. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, do you remember the post-fight interview from Curtis Blades after that fight? It looked like he was just going to just fall over and die because he was so tired. <laughs> he was exhausted. Volkov was ready to go another round. Volkov was going full Diaz. Give me two more rounds. Let's go. And Curtis Blades, like, they couldn't interview the guy. And then other people want to compare it to Greg Hardy. He couldn't finish Greg Hardy. Bro, that was a master class. Yeah. That was an that, absolute yeah, I hate that master take. class I hate that take. I hate, hate, like, hate that take. And, and you want to go one fight before that. He got KO'd by Derek Lewis. Okay. Okay. Maybe the hardest hitting raw power puncher on the planet. Like... Second only possibly to Francis Ngannou. Who he avoided for 12 and a half, 13 minutes 
another master class. You tell me that Tom Aspinall is going to have that type of knockout power. We know Derek Lewis is of uh, has this crazy superpower of having knockout power from minute one to minute twenty four if he needs it. Yes, I don't think Tom Aspinall has that. And it was the literal buzzer beater, like less yeah. than ten seconds left in the fight. Volkov thought he had it in the bag, dropped his guard, and ate a power shot that nobody saw coming. That was the night that we all found out Lewis can KO you as late in the fight as he wants to. Normal human beings do not carry their power late in fights like that. He paid for the experience. It's not happened again since. Then you go back. The last guy to knock him out before that was Vitaly freaking Minikov yeah. back in 2013 lock in Bellator. Vitaly heavyweight outside of the UFC. Vitaly Minikov is 22 and two. Like that second loss just came in 2021 in Bellator for a hand, hand injury. Yeah. The man doesn't <laughs> lose and he knocks everybody out in round one or two. So yeah, again, he got clipped by one of the biggest power punchers on the planet and a legitimate talent. So like, I'm sorry, you guys. Again, if you think Tom Aspinall belongs on par with these guys, okay, that's your opinion. I won't argue with you. That's fine. But we haven't seen it. What we have seen is him shooting a panic double leg on Andre Arlovsky because he's getting pieced up by the old man and about to get knocked out by Andre freaking Arlovsky at the UFC level. If he panic blast doubles on my guy Volkov, that is getting stuffed and he's getting TKO'd shortly thereafter. I think especially considering we're going to be in the big arena here, Locke, we're going to be in the O2. You know, these people want to talk about how like, oh, you know, Volkov's not going to knock him out. He's not even going to try to knock him out. He came in 10 pounds lighter. He's going to use his movement and the range and the space. He's going to avoid the power puncher, use his step in knee, attack the legs, keep the range, keep it distance where the power puncher can't hurt him. We've seen him do this time and time again. And then he's going to try to finish him in the third, fourth, or fifth round when the power puncher doesn't have the gas anymore. If Volkov survives, survives round one, he's winning this fight. Aspinall could be legit. Aspinall could KO him in round one, but I believe that's his only shot at this. People that think he's going to outclass or outstrike Alexander Volkov for 15 or 25 minutes, I'm sorry, folks. You're delusional. It's KO or bust. And if you're laying chalk on the guy that's KO or bust, I'm sorry I can't get behind that. And if you think his jujitsu black belt is going to be the difference maker, you don't take down my man Alexander Volkov. And if you do, he ain't tapping to no, no hooks in, rear naked choke squeeze like Andrei Arlovsky did. No, this man gets right back up to his feet immediately. And he's proven that time and time again. The submission threat is going to be nullified. I think Volkov should be the favorite here. I think he should be a solid favorite here. And getting plus money on this underdog is a fantastic spot. Again, this is MMA. Anything can happen. He could get KO'd early. That's the risk we take. But I'm rolling with my guy Drago. I've got three units on him already. And Locke, the more I look at it, the more I talk about it, I am tempted to add more. Like, you listen to his interviews. First off, he just had a baby. His last fight against Marcin Taibora, he had COVID twice. And I know there's a lot of people talking about that. But you see the shape he's in right now. You look at his yeah, Instagram and you look at the man like he, he swimming laps out in the clear. Russian snow. Like yeah. <laughs> his cardio is on point for this fight, folks. And you listen to his interview, the way he's talking about it. He knows the challenge that he has in front of him with Aspinall. And he is extremely confident in the fact that he can outskill this man. I mean, 
like I just I'm sorry. Like the more I dig my heels and I'm like, this is the spot, man. This is one of those gift spots that if the MMA gods take it from me because Aspinall lands one big power shot, then so be it. I'm I'm willing to put my money and my my reputation on the line here. I'm I'm all in for Drago, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I like it too. And last thing I'll say about this, I feel like we've been going on forever. He wasn't in great shape for the Tybora fight. Yeah. He was not. <laughs> uh, but yet, for the last couple fights after, I believe the Curtis Blades fight, he was weighing in right at the heavyweight limit of 265 pounds. This one, he's coming in at about 253, 254. So maybe trying to slim down once again, try to work on that cardio. Maybe who knows? We see that what with heavyweights. Yeah, exactly. But uh, one thing I will do, I plead for people to go back and watch that Andre Olovsky fight and just try to uh, picture... Alexander Volkov in those situations. If he goes all in and tries to finish Volkov and doesn't, is is Volkov going to allow him to kind of just hold him up against the cage for a minute at the end of that first round like Andre Arlovsky did? No. He digs for underhooks. He digs his knees. He digs back, uh, digs those underhooks so that he can reverse position, get back into space, and get back to his work. If he sees that you're slowing down, if he smells that blood in the water, he's going to go for the kill. He's going to get Dom Aspinall out of there. Even the beginning of that for a second round, he doesn't throw any output until he bull rushes forward, goes for that takedown, and then eventually finds that choke. I'll give him this credit, though. To have the awareness to go for the neck in that situation, credit to you. That is an amazing sense of awareness and, and you know jumping on your opponent when he's not really expecting something to happen. But the fact that Andre Olowski tapped immediately, didn't try to fight the choke, had no hooks, and could have probably just squirmed out, maybe uh, rolled out of that or something like that. Andre Olowski's just there to pick up a six-figure paycheck it and get the fuck out of there. baffled me that there was yeah. no defense lock. Like, none. Zero. Zilch. None at all. No effort whatsoever to get out of that. That was so weird from Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, it, it was such a weird thing. I'm seeing somebody saying he got hurt bad in that fight. He looked fine at the beginning uh, of the second round and even at the ending of the first round. I think he shook off whatever Tom Aspinall was able to hurt him with early in that fight. But, Aspinall was the one that got hurt in yeah. round two. Yeah, exactly. Watch that fight back, guys. I think people just remember it for the finish, but Take watch the it back. Aspinall and you guys goggles will, off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And just <laughs> and watch that fight again. I feel like we're we're sucking off Volkov a little bit too hard now. People are getting a little bit frustrated with it, but it is what it is. Hopefully we don't look like dumbasses Wait. come fight time tomorrow. Lock. The reason we're so worked up about it, though, is this is the first time we've spoken to somebody that agrees and understands all week because all I've gotten is shit. Every single time I've tried to say anything about Volkov, I'm getting piled by Aspinall betters and fans. So I haven't heard a damn good thing about my take on Volkov until today. So sorry if I'm flexing a little bit on this spot. I'm enjoying the back and forth with yeah. somebody who thinks similar <laughs> similarly to me on this one. <laughs> no, exactly, for sure. And another thing, I'm glad somebody brought it up in the comment section here. Tom Aspinall, one of the quotes from his interviews this week was like, I just want to go out there and have fun. What's Volkov saying? I want to go out there and get the win. <laughs> I am confident in my victory. There you go. That is what Volkov said. Like, quote. Like, I can't do Russian because I don't speak Was Russian, that Volkov obviously. or was that Clint? I couldn't tell. Was that Volkov <laughs> the, the translator. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Um, last thing I like to do, and then we'll get out of here, Clint. Uh, favorite play on the card. Are you going to – is is Volkov going to be your favorite play on the card? Your lock of the night play, essentially, your most confident play of the yeah. card? Yeah, it's Volkov, Volkov and Hooker. I got them both at plus numbers, and I got three units on each of them. I, and again, I'm potentially considering adding more on Volkov. I guess I can say more on both of them, I guess, at this point. Like, I, I'm tempted to add more money on both guys. I think they've both got significant advantages. They should be solid favorites. Those are my two favorite spots on the card, bar none. 
yeah, I, I do not have a Lock of the Night play on the card. Again, uh, I'll say this. If the, if the Tybura fight didn't happen, I'd probably go Lock of the Night deep on him. There is that slight bit of concern that he could be on a decline. But I just, again, I'm right now I'm chalking up to a blip on the radar. But he still will be my biggest bet on the card. I think I'm going to go two and a half units on him as soon as I can get the best plus money that I can get. Let me let me just see what uh, Pinnacle has him at right now. Pinnacle has him at plus 109. Usually they have the best odds out of all the bookies that I have. So I'm just going to keep my eye on that throughout the day. If I get plus 15, great if i get plus 110 great i'm gonna pull the trigger but i'll have a two and a two and a half unit shot on that as well as a unit and a half that i've already played on the under three and a half at minus 109 i believe that line was so that does you know slight hedge as well in case tom aspinall does land that early knockout but i also believe that uh volkov can finish him within that three and a half round mark as well so uh, hopefully we get that double cash with volkov getting a late finish in this spot uh so yeah volkov uh, Dick Riders heavy here, <laughs> me and Clint. I like I'm it. saying round four. Round four, okay. Early half of round four, hopefully. It's for, well, for you know what? Actually, I'm going to say round three. Because I, I, yeah. I, I think Aspinall's cardio is probably a little bit better than we're giving him credit for just because we haven't seen it. It's probably there, especially if it's a, a striking matchup. But let's not forget the knockout power of Volkov. People think he can't knock anybody out. Like, he just chooses to point strike in a very safe manner. Look at his record. He's got over 20 KOs. Like, this man KOs people. So, uh, I do think once... Aspinall slows down, then the knockout will present itself. But I don't think it's going to be in the first two rounds. I think it'll take to round three or round four. I'll say round three because I think Volkov's got a chip on his shoulder. I like it. I, I honestly, the, the round props that I took start at round two. I could see him even get him out of there around two if he okay. lands a beautiful knee up the middle or something when Thomas crashes forward. If he spends his gas tank early in that first round, it could come as early as round two. So I went two, three, four, and five. I'm seeing some people take four or five decision. I think he might get hung out to dry there if he gets it done early, which I think he can get it done early as well. And again, he's not a crazy one-punch knockout power kind of guy, but he will drown you in that, that volume. He will drown you and take your soul away from you. And that's exactly what I'm expecting Drago to do this weekend. All right, I got to stop talking about Volkov because, again, <laughs> people are going to clip all this next week after he gets knocked out in round one by Tom Aspinall, and we're going to look like the, the daily doofuses Bring for it. the next couple of weeks. Bring it. <laughs> no, it. Man, it's sports betting. This is a pick exactly. line for a reason. Like, we could be wrong. We know that. We know that going into it. We've, we've got a confident take, and Aspinall could be minus 300 here. Again, he hasn't shown us anything to make us believe that that's the case. Maybe he does on Saturday. Maybe this is his coming out party but he's got to prove it to me he's just got to prove it to me there we go again with all this banter out of the way we always do appreciate everybody that comes out and checks our shows watches our shows shows in the live chat has the back and forth with us at the end of the day we're all just trying to put a little bit of money in our pockets we're all just trying to have some fun we all just want to gamble on this great sport that is mma whether we agree or disagree on certain spots we all appreciate everybody always coming on and watching us talk and and taking our, our thoughts into consideration and all that so uh clint once again appreciate you taking out the midday here to uh do this with your boy uh anything you want to plug on the black end here and then i can uh, wrap it up yeah the uh undefeated post weigh-in show is going to be up here in just a minute it's almost done uploading and i've got it scheduled i think for uh 2 p.m my time which is in about 40 minutes or so keep an eye out for that over on pub sports radio of course you guys know that's where you can catch me doing my full-on breakdowns i'm looking forward to this fight card man this one should be really fun i've tread very lightly on this card and uh, i think we're gonna see a lot of violence it should be super fun let's uh Let's see. Good luck, everybody. And good luck on your March Madness action, because I uh, I personally just lost a giant chunk on a bet. It, this shit swings left and right, man. Let's so stay safe out there during March Madness. This is your PSA. So far, I've been tailing the right guys, apparently, because I haven't lost a bet on March Madness see, yet. You know, my problem was on this one, Locke. What's that? 
they marked their best bet and I thought it was this one. So like I put more money on the best bet, but I read the the text wrong. So it's the next play. That's the best. Oh, bet. No, oh, I, I like double tripled down on the, the one I thought was the best bet and it was not the best bet. So I, I did it to myself. And that's the part that I think hurts the most. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hopefully you can turn it around over the next couple of days. Cause there's still plenty of March madness to go. Uh, good luck to everybody on their wages for that. And good luck on your wages for UFC London. Again, don't get caught napping. 1.30 p.m. Eastern start time tomorrow for the fights. Go ahead. We got to shout out our guy, uh, Skywalker, in the chat. He did. Oh, yeah. Uh, he threw a dono your way. I, I think shout we were in the middle of our rant and we missed it. So Skywalker definitely got to shout out Skywalker. Guy. He's always hanging out in my chat. I'm sure he comes into yours, too. He's a good guy in, in the in the industry and in the chat. So I got to give him the props just, there. Uh, I believe he just started up a new show where he's interviewing cappers as well. Oh, uh, shit. I think I, I, think I talked uh, or, or I, I saw his one that he did with Liam Fight Picks. Uh, I could be off. I, it could be somebody completely as but I feel like it's my guy, Skywalker. But otherwise, I, I apologize. I missed the super chat. Appreciate the dono as well, my guy. Appreciate the love and support as always. Appreciate everybody that's uh, uh, chiming in here, whether you guys agree with us or not. Maybe you guys will agree with us next week whenever we have breakdown of Dawkins and, and Blades or something like that. We'll see. I got TikToks locked. I'm so yeah, ready. When, exactly. <laughs> when, when Volkov, no, 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 I'm saying I've got plans. Like when Volkov oh, okay. wins on this one, the TikToks are already up here. I, I, just need, <laughs> I just need Volkov to get across the finish line and we're going to have gold next week. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait for that release. All right. Appreciate everybody checking out the stream again. Hit that like, hit that subscribe. Show my guy Clint some love as well. Follow him on Twitter. Hit the link to his chat or his page is in the description below as well as the Deadlock Podcast, where you guys can catch me and Clint every other week on the Deadlock Podcast channel. Link to that is in the description below. We did our last episode last night. Make sure you guys go check that out. We talked about a bunch of shit. Uh, had a bunch of laughs. You guys will enjoy it as well. But uh, yeah, tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, prelim start time. I'm going to be doing the Fight Day live chat at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on this channel. So if you guys have any last-minute questions, comments, or concerns, I'll be right here to answer those for you guys. And then we will get right into the fights after that love all you guys appreciate all you guys appreciate all you guys appreciate you as well clint good luck on your bets tomorrow folks and we'll see you guys tomorrow bet the war. ottawa senators tonight yeah well yeah sure ottawa senator sure but war drago that's what war we're ending off with war drago